0: We're live right now, man. It's going down, for the season. You know, we're coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs>
1: Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it.
2: To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we doves! James Harden
1: is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum.
2: Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan
1: Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? hello and welcome to episode 112 of the brew hoop podcast my name is kyle carr and i am joined as always by riley Feldman. riley how's it going
2: it's going well i've been down all week thinking about all the potential destinations Giannis could go to for his next big challenge whether it be the magic or the kings or maybe he'll just move up by me to the timberwolves and he'll take on mission impossible Uh, but besides that, I've been pretty good. It's chilly up here in the Twin Cities, but that's kind of run-of-the-mill stuff for fall around here. How, How about so, you?
1: So what you're saying is he's not – I don't think he's going to the Kings because of what happened last night where dude puked <laughs> on the court. I think that might have taken them out of the running. I think that, I think that was really the breaking point. But otherwise, I'm good. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Was at a few weddings, and now it's pretty much getting to holiday season. Pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, otherwise – Adam is not joining us, as always, uh, doing the right thing in life, Um, but we have a third co-host, and it's a new one. We're kind of trying to do a nice rotation, and this week we have Alex Gove. Alex, how's it going?
0: doing well kyle thank you for having me riley thank you for having me as well uh first time on the pod uh first time long time kind of guy so uh (laughs) appreciate you having me on yeah no problem if you want to go ahead
1: and just talk about what got you into the bucks what made you interested in doing brew
0: hoop and just talk a little bit about yourself sure absolutely so uh i have a journalism background i started like writing newspaper stuff when i was in eighth grade of all things uh uh, so, uh, as you can tell, very esteemed, uh, lineage, um, but, uh, no, I, uh, you know, went to college for journalism, uh, after college, couldn't find a job. Uh, I was trying to keep the writing chops up, um, when I was really, um, first diving into the NBA, I was more of a college basketball guy before that. Um, and so started writing on this little independent blog, um, and I think somewhere in my heart just felt a real soft spot for mid-market teams or smaller market teams that were treading water or struggling in the early 2010s and kind of fell in love with the Bucks and then uh, started riding and focusing more a little bit on them. And so uh, it's just kind of grown naturally since then, took a few years off basketball riding uh, and now uh, we're back. I saw Brew Hoop had the opening. I uh, was really, really excited to read out, reach out to uh, Mitchell and Adam about it. And uh, they were kind enough to uh, sign me on with some of the newer folks.
2: Are yeah. you, uh, so I guess the, the only other question is, are you originally from Wisconsin? Is there anything, uh, geographic or was it just simply, did you like the green and cream of our new uniforms? Is that what, <laughs> <It> <laughs> what drew was you the blue. It was
0: the blue. That's <laughs> yeah, no, no. exactly what it was. Uh, no, so geographically, I'm in Kansas city. Uh, I've been in Kansas, uh, forever minus a year in Seattle. Um, so I, you know. I liked Larry Sanders' Rexbecks a lot, and I liked Monte Ellis before he was in uh, <laughs> Milwaukee. So, um, you know, a lot of people who will do a lot of things for you, but they don't necessarily amount to anything past the eights either. Got it. So, okay.
2: Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. I'm glad that our crappy team was crappy at the right time and that you saw the potential and where we would go. So that's that's a credit to you. It is oh, always impressive to see fans that kind of jump
1: in when the Bucks were just like mediocre as hell. Like you know, you have mm-hmm. people that started like after the 2001 season. You have some people that started once Giannis came around, but the ones that really stuck around for like just the consistent a seater bus, it's always it's always impressive because I don't know how you can look at it and be like yes that.
2: That That's is what I want to get into. I, I always felt bad for like the Greek fans or even like the Australian fans who like, of course, like some player gets drafted by us of all teams. They're like, oh, Milwaukee. And they look at like, I've never heard of this place before. And the, the first like three or four years are just a grind of like, I'm up at 3 a.m. for some of the worst <laughs> basketball you could ever see. So I think, you know, Kansas also, we can throw you into the uh, into the pot as well alongside our Aussie, Greek, and other international fans. It's, it's a grind for sure, but uh, uh, yeah, credit to you guys. It's always Thank a grind,
1: but I guess we did get to see a bunch of mediocre teams play as the Bucks got to finally play basketball at a competent level. But first, we should probably get into the good news. Um, Chris was back. That was pretty cool. He came back on Wednesday for the Bucks win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and then we also had Giannis doing a GQ shoot for being a man of the year for the Athletes. Which, of course, means he did a GQ story, which, of course, means something gets said that gets pulled out of context and everyone needs to freak out. So, Giannis decided to have one. The most notable quote was, in the end, Giannis decided to stay in Milwaukee because it was difficult. And then, in probably, the Bucks won. One challenge was to bring a championship here, and we did, he told me. It was very hard, but we did. Very hard. I just love the challenges. What's the next challenge? The next challenge might not be here. It's not that he doesn't love Milwaukee, he said, but he always, he's always wary of things becoming too easy. Me and my family chose to stay in the city that we all love and has taken care of us for now. Gianna said, in two years, that might change. I'm being totally honest with you. I'm always honest. I love the city. I love the community. I want to help as much as possible. Yeah, I'm sure that definitely kept everyone calm in Buck's Twitter. And then we saw the Miami Heat become the sad franchise they are. Ramp back up the Photoshop. So before, and it's kind of funny just because literally the next slide is agent says, I don't think it's like, I'm thinking about leaving the Milwaukee Bucks, but of course no one's going to highlight that. So Riley, <laughs> what were your thoughts on Giannis's quote?
2: Uh, the way that you read it, it was very good because I could imagine Giannis being like just pulling something out of the air, like, uh, because this whole thing is like, oh, I ever want to want it to be easy or whatever. And uh, my challenge to him prior to the Supermax contract signature was like, don't talk to the Greek media about like, oh, well, maybe I'll just go somewhere else because we can translate that and we'll like, it'll make its way to English media. It was so nice. There was a couple of years where like every off season he would talk to some local TV station in Athens and be like, I don't know. And then, I'm like, OK, it's back. So we're just back to that. Um, yeah, I don't know what to read into it. We have him under contract for five years. It would be, I think, it would be so radically out of character for him to demand like a trade. Like that would just be so strange for him to do. Uh, I think this is all part of his like keeping the pressure on. He's trying to build this mystique. But like, it is slightly annoying as a fan that one week he'll be like, "Oh, I'm looking at Kobe and Dirk. Like, I want to be like those kind of guys." And the next week he's like who knows, maybe I'll go to Minnesota and bring them a title too, a la like LeBron James going to all the teams to bring them all titles and st- things like that. So, uh yeah, I don't know. I'm mixed on it. I, I saw a lot of people being like reading it in the worst way possibly, like he has every right to leave if he wants, which he does, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't be pissed. If he left, it would take a long time for me. <laughs> like if he demanded a trade out, it would take a long time for me to like forgive that. So that's my point on that is I would not – uh immediately forgive him or understand if he just left. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very complicated, but I'm not reading into it. Like, he's going to demand a trade in two years or anything like that. That's fair. Uh, Alex, what about you?
0: Yeah, I, I think I kind of take the same tack as far as, is it annoying to see? Yeah, it's annoying to see. Um, I think that Giannis, for as much of a goofball as he is when he gets in front of the mic, too, I think he also knows, again, When to ramp up the drama a little bit when to say that he's making things hard for himself and so uh again i think it's mystique building Uh, i do think that he and his family have just ingratiated and ingrained themselves so much with the city um that it is definitely hard to see them leaving um and you know he would be the tip of the spear were that to happen but um you know you have uh, his brother on the team very notably and it, not in a situation where, you know, JR Smith was on the Knicks, Chris Smith also signed up the Knicks. Um, like, he's getting rotation minutes, whether he should or not, whether there are other players, you know, that could be a board who um, might contribute a little bit more. But um, I do think that that really, uh, you know, means something to him, means something to the family. And I think that, um, you know, beyond, you know, the front office chess and that stratagem, Um, Giannis is a super sincere and earnest dude. Um, and I think that, you know, when he says that that could change a little mystique building, but I also think at the heart of that, um, you know, he's being super honest when he says that the city's taking care of him and he knows that he's taking care of the city. And so I think there's that mutual love and respect. And, um, you know, I think the front office respects that as well. And so I don't see him going anywhere. Um, great news fodder, obviously for the heat fans, especially, but, um, you know, whatever yeah. you take from that, you take from that. And if that's what they're running with, sure.
1: Yeah, I guess I was just, I had no visceral reaction. I know there's a lot of people saying, oh my God, Giannis is going to leave. And everyone's like, okay, but he can leave. And I'm more of the, that's a future me problem that I don't have to worry about. <laughs> right now, the Bucks just won a title. He's done everything he said he would do. If he wants to go and find a new challenge, then fine. Maybe that new challenge is I want to go and own a team in Greece and make them a champion. Maybe I'll retire early and just decide I'm going to be a team <laughs> owner. I wouldn't put it past Giannis and do something like that. Because, But at the same time, he still has like his Supermax contract literally just kicked in. So maybe his next challenge is I'm going to try and be the greatest. I don't know. It's Giannis. Like, no one actually knows what he's going to do. So to act like we all know what he's going to, like, what he says is what he's actually going to do, I, I don't believe it. Like, Giannis is smart enough to know what to say, what not to say. And again, just want a title. So I could give, I I could care less. So that's, again, four or five years from now, me problem. I'll, I'll deal with it then. But Maybe, maybe
2: maybe what he meant by the quote was, by his next challenge, it wasn't talking to you GQ chumps, it's be talking to Vogue next. That's his next challenge. That's what he was thinking. They didn't read between the lines or they, like, misconstrued his quote. That's what they were doing. Maybe maybe
1: it's just simply, uh, the next challenge is, I'm going to try and not get clowned by my teammates for being a model on GQ. Who knows? <laughs> It is what it is, but yeah, like I mentioned earlier, there was a good week of basketball. Well, I say good week in terms of the Bucks won all their games. It was not the most aesthetically pleasing basketball to watch, uh, but first we had the Bucks facing the Lakers, who were without LeBron James, but that didn't matter. Giannis had 47 points, nine rebounds, three assists. He was three or four from three, and eight of 11 from the three-throw line, so the shooting stroke is Giannis's jumper there. The answer for this game was Yes. Uh, Chris, and I was wrong. Chris did not return for the Thunder game. He returned for the Lakers game, 16 points, uh, six assists, five rebounds. He was kind of on a minutes restriction. Uh, Drew struggled, eight points, eight assists. Bobby came in clutch like he always does. And the bench was non existent besides Pat Connaughton. So, you know, the usual. Riley, what were your thoughts on the Lakers win? I
2: don't know which team's sadder, us or the Lakers? Probably the Lakers. They're really rough without LeBron. Uh, This, the whole game, anytime Giannis goes for like 40 plus points, you can usually look at the other roster, but like, there's literally nobody on the other team who can stop him. And he just has probably a point to prove, whether it be like against the jazz, against the Lakers. He loves playing the Lakers. He loves like those sort of marquee games, even if it's without LeBron or like a banked up Lakers team, uh, Anthony Davis, uh, <laughs> it's so funny, all the different articles where it's comparing him and Giannis and like AD gets a lot of the praise, even though Giannis is by far the superior player. There's just different levels to the game. Uh Giannis is like this combination of brute force and touch. It's not that Anthony Davis isn't able to like knock dudes out of the way or whatever. He's not an incompetent player as much as I love mocking him. Uh, but it's just that he's got nothing on defense for Giannis. The number of times that Giannis would just go right through him. Uh, and the only other option for the, the Lakers was DeAndre Jordan. And as we've seen in the past, DeAndre Jordan also has nothing for Giannis. So it it, it was a tale of like the Bucks. It, they never really – quite pulled far away. I'm not sure what the largest lead was. The Lakers would kind of like claw their way back in. And like you said, the bench not doing anything wasn't helpful. Chris's first game back, he was kind of so-so. Drew has been so-so for a while, but um, this is the upside of having a guy like Giannis where he can just power through dudes. And even though the rest of the team is not playing well, the other team has nothing for him. So yeah, he's a transcendental talent. Transcendental talent. That was essentially the through line for the Lakers game. The Bucks' largest lead in that game was 12 points. So Yeah, so they never really actually put them away. But even then, I think there's an upside to that, too, because in the past, there would be games where Giannis would see this. And, like, there would be so many times where he would just go through dudes, no problem. And then, then in his own mind, or whether it's coached or whatever, he would start kind of trying to find other guys, like, try to get other guys going a little bit too much and... Um, he would get out of a rhythm. He just stayed in rhythm the whole time. And part of that's to credit teammates to keep getting him in position, um, but to recognize and fight for position and say, okay, just keep coming to me every single time down. Obviously Chris will have some open shots. Drew will have some open shots. We'll create that off of that. Um, but I think this is also another through line of like the Giannis of today is a lot more comfortable dominating the game without being like uh, super inefficient or anything. So he recognizes his strength. Uh, It's a close game. Uh, He doesn't keep deferring to other guys who, like, miss or, like, might not have as much success. He knows he's probably going to have the highest success, and he goes for it. So uh, credit to you on that as well, Giannis.
0: Yeah. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I think uh, seeing Chris come back for a tune-up game and, you know, going easy for 16 uh, is nice. And, you know, having uh, essentially what's going to be or what seems like it's going to be the starting lineup minus – Brooke in the middle with Bobby there for him. Um, good to see them finally getting some minutes together um, just because we've so been so injured early in the season and those minutes have been a little bit hard to come by where everyone is available and ready and healthy um, to play. And I think if we were simply looking at Drew's stat line, uh, you know, 8-8-6, eight, eight, um, you know, just the visual of that kind of reminds me a little bit of how people talked about him in the finals. You know, uh, there were there was a lot of heat coming down on Drew where, you know, is he doing enough? Is he not? Well, you see it reflected like he's not necessarily scoring in double digits, but he's making his impact elsewhere. He's facilitating. Um, you know, I am always a big pass first point guard guy. So I love it when that assist number is up in the box score. Um I mean, you know, Drew will come through with a clutch rebound, too, and in a game that um, the lead was never above 12 points, you know, six rebounds from your point guard position uh, can be really valuable there. So, um, you know, I, I know Giannis had the big, nice stat line, but uh, shout out to Drew, too. Yeah, it's it was definitely interesting just because
1: it was Giannis getting going early. I think he had 28 points in the first half.
2: They simply Mm
1: -hmm. could not stop him. And then in the third quarter, Lakers were hitting some shots. So that trimmed the lead down. It was getting one of those kind of games where, all right, Anthony Davis is hitting some mid Rangers. Malik Monk hits a couple shots. Talon Horton Tucker hitting a couple shots and kind of like what you both were saying, the lead was never, you know, large enough where you can kind of rest, but it seemed as though every time that happened, Giannis would be able to get a basket right away or Giannis would get to the free throw line. Um, Pat Connaughton, who was 5 of 10 from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3, had 16 points. He was the only guy on the bench to score points. It was nice that there was someone else that was able to chip in with buckets. And Chris played 30 minutes, and it didn't feel like he played 30 minutes. It felt more of a 20, a 25. That's how it felt, just because he was coming back from COVID. He wasn't necessarily being the guy that had to lead You know, the bench units, be the main guy. That was still kind of dependent on Giannis and Drew. Bobby Portis, I think even though his scoring was very helpful, it was his rebounds and his willingness to fight for the rebounds that really stood out to me. And that's where I think the Lakers really suffered. They only had, I think, 48 total rebounds and the Bucks 52, but it seemed as though the Bucs got a clutch rebound and the Bucs got a big rebound that they were able to convert into points. It seemed as though... Every time the Lakers could have gotten something, the Bucs were able to come back and get just turn it right back on them. And whether it was an offensive rebound, whether it was a clutch three, whether it was Giannis' free throws, I think one of the main turning points was Anthony Davis following Giannis, and Frank Vogel decided to challenge that, which was a questionable decision, and then only to turn around. I think it was a few minutes later, and there was a garbage call that went Milwaukee's way. That Frank Vogel then could not challenge. It, it felt as though those were kind of the breaks that the Bucks were getting. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, dump on this guy because I think we've done that enough. But good lord, Shemi Ojolie not good. It it's brutal watching that man play basketball. Are you over seven from the floor. Uh, it, it, it's bad. It's bad. I don't know if you guys want to add to Shemi. I know Riley, you and Andrew kind of talked about it at length the last episode, but i just had to throw it out there because i i, I don't know how much longer we i could do this we might have to trade this guy a la
2: dj Augustine. this is it's strange because i'm looking at his numbers for the season so far inexplicably i would never have guessed this he's made 75 percent of his shots within three feet of the rim he blew like two layup dunks in this game alone uh yeah i don't i have not much more to say about Shemi. he's he's I would be shocked if he's still on the team by February. That's, that's all I have to say about Shemi. Alex is talking about uh, uh There being other guys on the team might be more willing or more uh, deserving of minutes. Shemi might not be one of those people, uh, potentially. We'll talk about that more later. So, uh, Alex, your thoughts on Shemi in the Lakers game?
0: Oh, it hurts my heart as a fellow Kansan to see that happen. Um, but yeah, Shemmy, uh you know... It, ugh. Um I really, really wanted to see him contribute, and I thought I knew it wasn't going to be immediate. I thought, you know, fifteen games into the season, it would start clicking. Um, yeah, he definitely feels like that could be a midseason move where you know you trim a little fat from the roster. Um, you know, it it's not for a lack of minutes. We've seen that. It's not for a lack of uh, shot attempts. Um, you know, he's been funneled the ball a few times uh each game just generally has not worked out um but that man is muscular that mm-hmm. that is you know my final statement there like it's not I was playing rec league basketball on one time and it's like we didn't have enough people it's like oh warm bodies and one of my friends had a friend who like just hit the gym all the time and so that's exactly what it reminds me of you know it's like we've got a big muscular dude but like if you put him on the block and, like, he just can't get it done. Although, Riley, your stat, that surprises me, too, after those mm-hmm. two blown dunks. Um, yeah, uh, you know, heaven help him. Love the guy, but mm-hmm. the Lakers outing was not his day.
2: Well, and in the way that we can – this will probably be my last point of the Lakers game. The way that he has played defense, we've commented about how he almost plays down in size. A- against a team like the Lakers who they were trotting out there, I mean, Lord help him if, he if like, LeBron was playing and we had to toss Chamby on LeBron. I can't imagine that would go well. But, like, there's nobody that I'm seeing on their roster who would be, like, a good fit for him to be out there to defense necessarily. Like, AD's probably too tall or, like, too skilled. A lot of the other guys are, like, wings or, like, DeAndre Jordan, but, like, they're not really going to go to DeAndre Jordan. So there just wasn't really a fit for him. A shame that he wasn't able to make any of the shots. There were a lot of possessions where the Bucks would get out in fast break. And I have no idea why Giannis and Drew kept like going to Shemi if it was like, we're going to get him going, but like, it was just a horrendous decision because they might have like Chris on the other wing. And I'm like, just go, (laughs) go to Chris, (laughs) just go to Chris, at least let him get the shots up or whatever. So it's just some of the decision-making is questionable. And I think you can still think about like the possibility of, Oh, if we did like a switching defense or whatever. Um, And I think there was a lot in the fourth quarter where the bucks gave up like, a ton of wide open threes and the Lakers just didn't make any of them. Um, and so it's not like our defense is perfect or like we couldn't use somebody of his size and stature who could be like a PJ Tucker light, but it, it just doesn't seem for whatever reason, mentally or physically, or however he's being coached up that he's playing well enough to do a stop gap to like really help on defensive end. And if he's just going to be a zero on offense, then it's just not much of a place for him. So, and I think this game encapsulated a lot of that. It's just, not a perfect place for him right now, given his play style.
1: Yeah, I would say it got better so. for him against Oklahoma City Thunder, but it did not. He went 0-4 <laughs> in that game. But the Bucks won against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 96-89. This was a game that was not pretty. Um, the Thunder play, I would say they are overachieving at this capacity. They are. I, there's not anyone that I look at the roster and go, yes, that is a guy that can give Milwaukee trouble. It's just like SGA, St. Gilgus Alexander is probably the only one. And he didn't play that well. He was five of 20, of 12 from three. Um, Again, Giannis doing what he normally does. 21 points, 19 rebounds, nine of 11 from the free throw line. So that was pretty cool. Chris slowly getting back to his normal self. 16 points. Um, He was three of eight from three, which allowed him to break the franchise record. He is now the all time, leader in three-pointers, so that was pretty sweet. Bobby Portis, typical Bobby Portis game, 17 points, 13 rebounds, and then Drew, 10 points, Grayson Allen, 11 points. George Hill was the main guy off the bench with 12 and Pat Connaughton with 9. I don't know, Alex. Like This, game, this was a game, I guess. I, I really don't know what more to add to this, so if you
0: want to go ahead and throw your two cents on it, go ahead. Sure, yeah. I mean, win games you're supposed to win, um, and You know, that's kind of the bottom line, the takeaway from this one. Uh, You know, nothing shocking coming from the Thunder. It seems like it's another year where SGA is going to get shut down or else they're going to, you know, maybe be in a play-in game, um, which the Thunder do not want because uh, they're just stacking those draft picks. I mean, if they ever make a move, it's kind of like the Celtics front office did with the trade exceptions for so long. Uh, You know, who knows if they're going to use it. Seems like, you know, they're going to end up selling low on them to me, or at least a few of them. Um, but, you know, it's a young team. Maybe it'll come together. Um, the Bucks did what they were supposed to do. Like you said, uh, Bobby is good for a double-double on most nights, at least when he's getting, you know, starting center minutes. Um, nice to see George Hill with 12. Um, you know, I know that uh, the point guard rotation Is not always what we want it to be. Um, Still not 100% sure George is the answer back there, but uh, would love it if that's the case. Um, At any rate, you know, uh, 26 minutes, let him save the knees a little bit more next time maybe. Um, But against the Thunder team, uh, you know, rather also see the starters saving their legs a little bit. But as you said, the game didn't necessarily allow it because it did end up at a seven-point margin.
2: Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't watch this game. I am looking at their roster right now, Oklahoma City's. Uh, I know Shea, and I don't know a single other person on this team. I'm looking through. Is Aaron Wiggins, uh, Andrew Wiggins' brother? Is that a Wiggins connection there? <laughs> That's my uh, only guess. I don't know. <laughs> I would guess no, but um, yeah, the Thunder are awful. It's like this typical game where it's a midweek uh, we're already banged up as it is. And there's, I mean, Mike Muscala is probably like the best center for the thunder or something. I mean, I don't even know who else is on here who plays center for them. Uh, they're not a good team, which is fine. Uh, they have designs on being awful a la the magic for like another couple years. So good for them. Um, you yeah, know, I'm like looking through the box right now to see if there's anything notable. It's it probably like, Giannis, uh, obviously the 19 rebounds testifies to the fact that nobody's able to uh, get over him, but um, between this game and the Magic game, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, one of the biggest concerns I had, or that was like emerging over this course without Brooke Lopez was, okay, Giannis's rebound numbers are good, but like, it's just a different rebounding game that he's asked to do when Bobby is his running mate, um, because Bobby... For a while, there was doing an awful job rebounding. Um, And it's just Giannis is very used to, Brooks is going to be out there to try and eliminate one of the bigger bodies and then I can kind of play free safety. In these couple of past games here, and even against the Lakers as well, um, he's been getting more involved, not only like, positioning himself, but I think he's taking on more of a role of like, okay, I know that I have to like really fight out there for the rebounds and that's going to be a big help. I would be curious, and I could probably look this up while we uh, talk about this a little bit more, the opponent offensive rebounding numbers over the past couple weeks. But um, so much of it was like, okay, Giannis is sort of like out on the wing or he's not uh, crashing the paint as soon as somebody else does for the Thunder, whether that be like, again, I'm just trying to position defensively. Um, But I think his numbers going up, is good to see and i think there's probably a partnership he's figuring out with bobby of like how are we going to figure this out because even bobby's starting to put up like double double numbers from the rebounding or in terms of rebounds as well um, so that's the the one big notable thing. Anybody who scoops up 19 rebounds and isn't like uh, Andre Drummond, I think that's pretty notable. And especially for Giannis where uh, he would put up great rebounding numbers, but that's there was a style to how he was doing it and that he's adjusting to that, even against inferior competition. I mean, they're still tall, like big dudes. You still have to like fight those guys out of the way. So I, I think that's impressive and probably something to keep an eye on. And probably for the best, honestly, if, uh, you want to look down the season and say, if we have to do some small ball lineups without Brooke for whatever reason, get Giannis more used to like having a slightly different role. And yes, he already executed in the playoffs last year, but it doesn't hurt to be practicing at it.
0: Yeah,
1: it, it was helpful for him. I think it worked against a team like the Thunder who didn't have a big body. And their one big body was Muscala, who was coming off the bench. Oklahoma City did get. More offensive rebounds than Milwaukee, 11-6 to in this game. And I think the biggest reason why they were able to stay in the game so much is they didn't allow Milwaukee to get out on the fast break as much. They had Milwaukee at two points on the fast break. So pretty smart of them to limit those chances, avoid a run, avoid Milwaukee kind of getting going, make the game, grind it out, kind of just slow the game down. So that was probably by design, and it worked relatively efficiently i know at one point they league out to 20 but i feel like that lead didn't last that long and again it was always a tighter margin so good on the thunder i'm sure they're going to eventually this performance will fall off and they will be closer to the bottom with the talent that they have and another team that is going to be hovering around the bottom is the orlando magic the bucks win 117 108 i'm going to preface this by saying the score makes it seem like it was close it was not that close to the game, and it was only Bud deciding, I'm going to throw the bench in with four minutes, left, pretty much four minutes left, that caused us all to capitulate. Either way, Giannis, 32 points and 20 rebounds, and he only did that in 30 minutes. That's I, I got nothing more That's to pretty, say with that. They, they were Curtis. looking,
2: the, the NBA stats crew was like, this is the first guy to do this since like right after, like right as soon as the Soviets came up with the nuclear bomb. That was essentially like how long it's been since somebody put up those kinds of numbers. So <laughs> relatively remarkable from uh, Giannis on that.
1: Yeah, it was remarkable. Uh, Chris Middleton had 13 points, 3 of 5 from 3, 4 9 from the floor. A little bit of a quieter game, but had 8 assists, so more on the playmaking side. Bobby Portis, 6 of 7 from 3. That was pretty sweet. Drew Holiday, 2 of 3. He had 11 points and 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Grayson Allen had a bounce-back game, 4 of 11 from 3 to get him 16 points, 7 rebounds. Uh, the bench, just hitting, on into his hitting shots. Milwaukee hit 19 threes. They shot 47 from 3. So it was kind of nice seeing the Bucs be the team to have all the threes go in their favor. The Orlando Magic are just not a good team. Jalen Suggs was their high scorer with four. No, sorry, RJ Hampton was their high scorer from the bench with 19 points. Jalen Suggs was 415. Yeah, this team's
0: just not he was bad. bad. Alex, he was what, bad. what do you got for this team? <laughs> I've been hearing a lot about the Mo Bamba breakout season. I think oh it's safe God. to say <laughs> yeah. stop, boys. Um, n- no, Bamba. Um, you know, I think the. the- <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the, you know, uh, we've been seeing Giannis really bubble the past uh, three games, and I think that. Really, when you're playing a team like the Magic, the most interesting thing you can talk about is correlation versus causation in some things. Um, And I think that uh, it's maybe notable for this particular game, maybe not against other opponents, to say that um, over the past three games, uh, Giannis has gone away from the Zoom Freak 3. So read into that whatever you want. He's been wearing the Zoom Freak 1, it looks like. So maybe there's more comfort in that. Um, maybe it's just very, very disrespectful to the Magic that he doesn't feel like it is worth promoting the new shoe. Maybe he's moved on <laughs> to the Uno game. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, they can take solace that, you know, he wasn't in promotion mode, or else maybe those numbers would have been bigger in the box score.
2: Uh, I agreed with Alex about the Mo Bamba thing. Uh, we were talking... at. It goes without saying that I do not watch Magic Basketball. I am not an insane person, so I was not watching it. But yes, you did hear about like, oh, Mo Bamba is kind of looking. Look, if that's going to be the dude we trade for, we might as well just cancel the season because he is not going to be a backup center for the squad. Giannis was (laughs) knocking him around like he was a child. And the same thing for Wendell Carter Jr. Giannis got 23 free throws up. What the hell, dude? (laughs) I mean, when like you might as well just keep running Bobby out there if you want like an undersized or like dude who plays or like isn't as strong as Giannis or Brooke uh so I think um is it Cole Anthony is he the I think he's the leading scorer for Orlando so he was out so they're already like down their leading scorer it does not I do not think Cole Anthony would have like changed the calculus in this game whatsoever um but like the magic gave Jalen Suggs a lot of minutes, and Jalen Suggs is just kind of like Justin Robinson with like a, a higher care- guaranteed contract dollar number. I was highly unimpressed by uh, Jalen Suggs. Mo Bamba, he's like, what's his thing? He's really tall and like long. That's literally all he does, and like he hits the occasional three. Totally unimpressive guy. It's <laughs> with these rebuilding teams the thing that's sad is, is like I have no idea where their way out is. Where are they going to go from here? What what what's the name of uh the former Philly number 1 pick? Where the hell is that guy uh that they traded Fultz. for? Yeah, where's where's Markel Fultz? Is he still on the team? Like I don't even know. Yeah, I think he's still on the team. It seems like it or no, maybe not. Um Okay. I mean, this this is a testament to how bad the magic are that we yeah. have no idea if Mark Copfold is even on the team. Oh, he is. He probably is just injured for something like that. <laughs> but anyways, so for like against the magic, it's just we were in such a zone that Giannis, there's nothing they can do. They were throwing doubles his way. And then what did Giannis do if like there was even a slight pressure? He like just kicked it to Bobby, who was hidden from three, like super easy. There are a lot of like Drew had some good passes, Chris had some good passes. It was like the talent disparity, and then the Bucs are just really on top of their game. I think like 36 in the first quarter, 26 in the second quarter, 34 in the third quarter. Uh, Yeah, that feels about right. Anytime the starters were out there, they absolutely creamed them. Now, as Kyle said, we we sat the starters with like seven minutes left. It was the Justin Robinson and Thanasis show, and then the (laughs) Magic scored, like – 20 points straight and then we had to put the starters back out there which is always I think that's funny whenever that happens So good on you Magic, for making that happen uh, And the only other thought is uh, the magic coach that dude is stacked. he was kind of weird too because like every time like a bucks player would come in and check in the Orlando coach would go over and like talk to him at the check-in table and like he was like holding on to the ball when like it went out of bounds and like refusing to give it to the ref it was he's an interesting guy I have no idea what's what's that I think Jamal Mosley I think is his name. Uh, so interesting for Orlando, they're going to be a tire fire. That's quite evident. But like, like you said about the Thunder, Alex, you have to beat up on the bad teams. And part of this home stretch was, can we string together enough wins to like start getting the ship turned around? This is a spate of like really bad teams are going to play the Magic again uh, later tonight. We play Detroit after that, I think. So uh, this was exactly what we needed. And in the past, the Bucks would crush like bad teams and I think this year, given the Brooke situation, uh, Drew being injured, Chris being out, it's not that we couldn't beat up the bad teams because we also creamed the Pistons. But it was, you don't go into this and be like, oh, it's a given. We're going to cream them because maybe Giannis needs rest or something. But we've been putting it on them. And I, I think that's exactly what we needed just to restore a little bit of confidence like we are indeed the team that we thought we were going to be. Yeah, this was
1: a classic Bucks game where they got on a roll and you just could not stop them. It was three after three, Giannis dunk, Giannis layup. Someone was – they were just getting baskets left and right, and there wasn't much that Orlando could do about it. It it felt like that type of game again, which was nice to see. I, it was hard to watch. I had watched soccer from 6.30 that morning until this Bucks game. And as i watched this Bucks game, I thought it was 10 p.m. and it was only in the second quarter and it was only seventh. Through. I was like, oh, this is going to be a long game. And I think that it was just more of a, the Magic are good, the Bucs are going to win, why are we bothering doing this? But it, it is tough to fully get a grasp on this game because it was just Giannis being so dominant. And when Giannis is dominant, it forces the other team to try and stop him, which then leads to extra passes being made. And when you have, you know, Bobby Portis pretty much going 6-6 six of six from three for most of the game, and then you have Chris Milton able to chip in a three randomly, Drew Holiday gets a three every once in a while, Grace Allen gets a three, it's, someone's always hitting a shot. There's not much you can really do about it. And again, this game was completely over by four minutes the bucks were up 20 something and were it not for the white flag um end of the bench guys pretty much letting orlando back into it this game would have been probably still been a 20 point win but it was good to see at the very least grayson allen bounce back i know he had a tough shooting week until this game but yeah i don't know what marco fultz tore his acl uh last season which is why he is not
2: that poor guy that poor guy oh yeah he like got that new contract they like traded for him gave him the contract and he immediately just ruined his knee again that poor yeah guy. It, I feel it,
1: poor. even notable bucks killer terrence ross didn't really do much and he played 22 minutes it's the magic are team that are very young maybe in Two, three years, they could be something, you know, with Jalen Suggs, with Cole Anthony, with RJ Hampton. They have too many Wagner dudes, which might also be a reason for why they are struggling. And Rob Lopez is still getting a bunch of minutes. So, I don't know. They it, they are just in a perpetual state of rebuilding. But we did mention Brooke Lopez, and we did get an update-ish from him. Um, he had talked to Sham Sharania. It looked as though he was using not even 2G uh, signals that you could really see him. So I don't even know if it actually was Brook Lopez. But he more or less said that his lower back has been coming along pretty well. Uh, he's ramping up on-court stuff, and he's on his way. He has a target date for what he wants to come back in his mind. We don't know what that date is. So, Alex, what are your thoughts on Brook's uh, comments? Uh,
0: you know, I think that was just such an odd interview of shams first of all well well, why are you giving us this video and then uh, giving us like the clickbait title and then not giving us anything i guess that's a, a different question but um i would love to see Brooke back um as soon as he can be but i also know that you know he's getting up there in age he's been Um, you know, dealing with foot injuries uh, since his days in Brooklyn. Um, We know that he has had some back issues. Obviously, that's what's kept him out recently. But um, those two things correlate, as we've seen, uh, you know, in the case of uh, most famously maybe Bill Walton in the NBA. And so uh, if we, you know, are able to keep stringing together wins um, without him, Sure, but um, sure would be nice to shake that rust off, see what the starters all look like together, especially because his minutes have been very limited with Grayson. And I feel like Grayson does enough stuff on the margins that, um, you know, somehow that'll bleed over into the paint and what Brooke does uh, on both ends of the floor. So uh, I would love to see more minutes with them together. Um, You know, you mentioned Robin Lopez down in Orlando. I'm sure there's some secret Lopez hideaway in Disney world that, um you know maybe brooks been rehabbing at who's to say maybe that's why the 2g was in effect uh they were inside the magic castle but um you know i really don't uh you know i I just hope that he gets better uh hope that it's not something that continues to linger um you know he sat out for a while now hopefully that uh you know they have just kind of sorted it out a little bit more um would hate to see him return too early if that were the case um so yeah, I don't know. Riley, what are you thinking on this?
2: Uh, it had all the hallmarks of a classic hostage video. Um, <laughs> he looked like he was forced to read from a script. Uh, he, he kept looking off camera as if the script was right there, which probably Bud printed out. I want to just read the quotes from uh, Brooke. I I, look, I watched the 2G video a couple of times to get the quote. Here's the quote. Uh, so Shams asks, what's, what's the update? And of course, he said, they're like, oh, he's going to say I'm aiming for whatever date. Brooke says, my lower back has been coming along pretty positively. We've been ramping up on corn stuff, dot, dot, dot. We're on our way, and there's a target target return date in my mind. And then the clip ends. I don't know if there's more to the interview. Uh, maybe Shams didn't like plug the rest of the interview. I, if there was, I was not interested in watching it because if that's the best I was going to get from Brooke. Uh, the rest of the interview is probably like, oh, I love Disney, which is fine, but I'm I'm tired of hearing about that from Brooke. Um, it seems so much like uh, he's just getting PTO, which is fine. Um, I think. If it was the situation where the Bucks were like, you know, it's late in the season, we had to make some sort of push or whatever, even if it was like a playoff game, I'm sure he would be fine to go. Um, he might have tweaked his back or something, but I think there's probably a lot of it. It's like, okay, this is just Brooke's turn to get some rest. He's been playing a lot of minutes. Um, and it, the only other thing is like, we've seen Brooke at all the events. He went to the White House. He travels with the team, all that sort of stuff. Uh, partly, probably part of that is like working with the rehab team or just staying like in chemistry with the team. Um, but if it was, like, a serious issue, I doubt he'd be traveling with the team. So that's encouraging. Um, it, yeah, if it was a situation where we hadn't seen Brooke, like, alive uh, on the bench for a couple weeks, yes, it would be a nice video. But uh, it was the classic bait-and-switch with no information. Uh, yeah, so good good on you, Brooke. Enjoy that rest. I, I look forward to having him back um, and seeing how he looks. But there's probably going to be a time at which Brooke comes back and starts playing and maybe, like, drew or Chris or Giannis they get like a little bit not like this extended of a break but they might also get a break so I think that would be something interesting where annoying as it is so long as we have a decent record uh guys will be getting breaks with like unknown injury x or whatever so yeah good for you Brooke hopefully you'll come back I think from what I'm seeing there I think like a December return would be reasonable like around Christmas or something December January would be what I would guess so
1: yeah, my guess is sometime before the Christmas game. I feel like it'll probably be like mid December because there's no rush to get him back. As much as we want Brook Lopez back, there isn't a rush to get him back. Milwaukee has managed. Obviously, they are not the same team that they are without him. But as we've seen this past week, they can get by with him there. You're still it's still early enough in the season. You're only 17 games out of 82. Uh, to go. Plus, the schedule has gotten easier, which can allow them to get the ability to move on from that. But one of the things we, I think, have realized is how important Brooke Lopez is to this Bucks team. But we now are trying to figure out who the non Giannis Chris Drew MVP of the season is. Um, I think I have the answer. I'm pretty sure it's coming down to mainly three guys. But
2: uh, Riley, who would you say has been the non Giannis MVP for the Bucks this season? So I think the reason why this conversation is interesting is like if you take Giannis out, I'm not even sure you could definitively say Chris or Drew is that guy. Chris hasn't played enough. And if in the games he has been, he's been shaky because he's coming back from COVID and whatever. Uh, and Drew... Alex already talked about like he's had his moments where like he has those drew ball games and he's still like a great on ball defender. But I think he's making like 40% of his shots around the rim. Uh, he's been awful doing layups. That's like, <laughs> I mean, Shemmy's even having a higher mark. That's tough. That's rough to see when that's happening. Um, to me, I would actually just looking through the stats. I think Bob Portis might be my MVP, my non uh, Giannis MVP. And my argument for that is he's been drafted into a starting role that uh, he is not necessarily built for. He's had to like figure out his like rechannel his good defense sort of on the fly. Um, and in the past couple of weeks, he's been really filling it up. Like this past week was excellent for Bobby, both in rebounding and like just his scoring totals. And on a team where your star two and star three have been sort of so-so or unavailable, having the guy that was the bench, like fill him up guy come off, he's been, he's not missed a beat at all from last year. Like what was Bobby's big thing last year? He just filled up the bucket, like (laughs) to a crazy degree. And he's been all over that. I think he's shooting like 40 plus percent from three again this year at high volume. Like everything you could ask for this guy, he's been very consistent. And I think, it's not that I was concerned that he would get paid and then like he would just not care anymore. That's not what I was worried about, but I think there is a certain level of like, okay, he has this deal now and he probably has an under the table agreement with the Bucks. Like, okay, you'll just pay me out the nose next year. Um, The fact that he then owned up to like a wider role um, has like seen no dip at all, which has helped Giannis out a lot because if you like lose Bobby or he's like struggling too, it's like, Jesus, It's just, it has to be all the Giannis show. So even though um, he's been imperfect at times, even though his defense has left some to be desired and is rebounding the same, uh, he's stepping up as literally like the only other viable big on the team and he's been playing well. So Brooke, or uh, not Brooke, Bobby would be my non Giannis MVP so far this year.
0: What about you, Alex? Uh, You know, I, uh, there are some options, they're kind of few and far between. I, you know, I would say give a little love to Pat Connaughton. Uh, you know, he switched between coming off the bench and starting this year. Um, and largely has been consistent. There have been a few blips, but, um, you know, he's coming out when the team has not had a lot of help from the bench. Um, you know, he'll show up some nights, uh, you know, and I think there's value in that just knowing that he was such an integral part, uh, to the postseason run last year, uh, especially in the finals. Um, Seeing him, you know, be able to come out, be a little more consistent to the start of the season. Like, he's a guy where you essentially know what you're going to get with him, uh, which is always nice. But it's been nice seeing that as he has gone between the bench and the starter role uh, this season. His steals are right on track for last year's steal percentages, uh, which is nice. He's assisting a little bit more than he did last year. Um, And I think, you know, that is a product of him seeing more minutes, um, you know, some of the other starters being out him having to move the ball a little bit more. Um, You know, I think there are sexier picks for this, obviously. I think there uh, are people who are maybe a little bit more deserving, but I think that, you know, when it comes down to brass tacks, um, Pat's there when you need him for the most part. uh, And I think there's value in that. Kyle, who's your pick?
1: I also was going with Pat Connaughton, not to discredit anything that Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen have done, uh, especially Grayson Allen to come in and pretty much take the starting two position right from the jump. Um, And he's going to keep that when Dante comes back. But I think with Pat Connaughton, it's just been the consistency that we have seen. I can't necessarily think of bad Pat Connaughton games. I think he's just been quietly going about hitting threes, shooting around, Upper 30s, I want to say he was around 38, 39%, which is pretty good for him. It just seems as though when the Bucks needed a basket, he has been able to provide it. When he has added driving as an element to his game as well. So I, I just went with Pat Connaughton just because he has consistently been good all season. And I got Bobby Portis, especially of late, has really stood out. And Grayson Allen from the beginning really stood out. But I think Pat Content from the beginning of the season to now, not even getting injured either. He's always there, he's always hitting a couple shots when you need him. I, I, I went with Pat Content just more for the consistency factor of it. But I, I think you can make a good argument for Bobby or Grayson Allen. Those are probably the only two players I can really think of that warrant that consideration maybe justin robinson just because you know what you are doing your job and you were not expected to do this job so good on you
2: i i think the one thing that would hurt grayson like his three-point numbers have been great i think it would be hilarious if dante was back and bud like put dante back in the starting lineup he's like let's just see what happens dante's my guy um one mark against grayson is there have been times on defense as with like all these guys it's not an effort thing But the number of times the difference between him and Dante, like Dante, I think his defense might be a little overrated because he gambles a lot. When he gambles, it turns out well. And you're like, oh, that's flashy. With Grayson, he has a little bit of a hard time keeping up with a guy through like multiple picks or like fighting through a pick or knowing whether to go under, over, or under to keep contact. Um, And maybe that'll be something that comes with time, but that would be something that would maybe be a mark against him. Uh, the, The question I would have for you guys is Is there any case for Chris or Drew to? Get some, some MVP like second or third votes at all from you guys, or do you think it's literally like the other guys who are leading the conversation there?
1: I could maybe see Chris just because before he got COVID, he was pretty reliable. It's just tough because that COVID really did knock him out, and it, a lot of it is recency bias. I I don't know about Drew, just because Drew's been fine, but we've seen what the heights of Drew Holiday is, and we just it hasn't shown consistently all season and part of that is because he got hurt came back got hurt again took a while to get going so I think for Drew Holiday it'll probably be more of a once he's back playing with Giannis and Chris and eventually Brooke consistently that should help him I just don't think we see seen the peak of what we know Drew Holiday can be and it could kind of be the same
0: with Chris yeah I'd agree totally with that Kyle and I think it you know, kind of harkens back to availability is the best ability, unfortunately. So the recency bias does draw me away from Chris as well. And, you know, Drew has been in and out of the lineup, with that heel contusion, um, you know, whatever else they had him listed with. And so um, long term, I think that obviously one of them ends up as the non Giannis MVP. But to this point in the season, uh, I probably would not feel as confident giving it to them.
2: And I think that's remarkable. I would agree with both you guys. Uh, there's been a lot of talk like, oh, the, the roster is poorly constructed, things like that. I think it's remarkable that uh, we have like three, at least three guys who are like not the top three stars. Who you could have an argument like, oh, they're, they've been like the non Giannis MVPs. And yes, you don't want a role player to be your like non Giannis <laughs> MVP. But I think in all the concern about the roster construction, which I think is valid, there is valid concern there about like the lack of bigs and things like that. Uh, we've had so many teams in the past where it's like your top three guys and then like maybe one other role guy and everybody else, you're shaking the dice and rolling on them. And the fact that you have three guys at least to have been plus players on the floor, I think that's remarkable and uh, good on all of them because it, it can be hard to be a role player who suddenly has a bigger spotlight because other guys are missing and uh, respond to that. So on all three of those guys, Grayson for fitting in and then Pat and Poppy for continuing the really good play they had in the, last season and into the playoffs last year too
1: true um before we get to the break and miscellaneous, latest i I feel like we need to get a quick plug for the Wisconsin herd who have done pretty well and are currently as of recording this 4-0 they play again tonight um alex you and i are kind of tag teaming on following the herd and knowing what's going on there so what do you have to say about the quick thing about the herd what's impressed you what stood out to you
0: winning Gabriel,
1: love it. Yes, I, I agree. He is, I, I said it in the group chat yesterday. If he was two inches of like 60 pounds heavier, I would have said the Bucks should bring him up. Um, no, he he looks good. He's definitely got the style of play that could fit in well as Milwaukee attacks the hoop. He is someone that is able to just ro- roll to the rim. So he's got the play style that could work with Milwaukee. Obviously, he is a G Leaguer that went undrafted for a reason. But I, I just appreciate his game. Um, Mamu played for the first time on Saturday. He had a double double. That was cool. Uh, Yorgos Kaltsazakis looked pretty good. So maybe he's just a G League player. I don't know. But yeah, that that is our quick plug for the herd. Make sure to check out the. You heard it here from Alex and myself. We're gonna have those updates weekly. There should be one probably Monday or Tuesday for the next one. But we're going to take a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll get to our normal miscellaneous topics and our weekly predictions. Okay, and we are back. So we have our normal miscellaneous topics. So, Riley, you have the rapid fire for this week.
2: I do. So we have, a, as usual, when it's my turn, we have a mix of basketball-related, a mix of non-basketball, some good stuff. Let's get to it. Uh, first question: What was the last album either of you guys listened to in full? Adele's Thirty. <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I thought it would be an easy layup for Kyle because I, I had a feeling I knew what the answer was. But and what? How did you feel about Adele's Thirty? You can give a quick review if you want. It
1: really does hit. Like I, I will say there are some songs that really just emotionally hit you. And there's some fun songs as well, but it, it this was probably Adele's most I, I don't think there's gonna be as many like top songs as some of her previous albums, but I think as a start to finish, it really did encapsulate like all the stuff that's gone on in her life, basically the divorce and pandemic.
2: Okay. Alex.
0: You know, I am a week behind the cycle. The last thing I listened to in full was An Evening with Silk Sonic, And uh, I would say it lived up to expectations. It felt like that album went through like three different release cycles at minimum. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. Um, the drumming on it seemed fantastic.
2: I uh I agree with the three different release cycles when like people were talking about it again. I was like and I saw like the album art I was like hasn't this been out for like a year? I was just very confused. Yeah. They cuz they must have had like a ton of singles or something off of it or yeah. Well they had know, three single singles, like, yeah. Okay. That's probably what it was. I I saw those and I didn't listen to like the rest of it. So I just like what are people talking about? Like I thought maybe there was a, like a Taylor Swift recording <laughs> or something. I was just very confused by the talk about it. So <laughs> All right, good. Um, okay, uh, basketball question. Who do you think has had the higher PER so far this year? Shemi Ojule or Sandro Malmukalashvili?
1: I'll still go with Shemi just because he probably was in a bunch of lineups that made his numbers look better than they were.
0: Yeah, I would go with Shemi as well. I feel like the uh, there was one game where he had like a huge PER, and that probably is giving him a better average.
2: Unfortunately for you guys, you were wrong. Uh, Sandro has doubled <laughs> Shemi's PER on the season. Shemi is at 4.7. Uh, Sandro is at 9. Good so for him. This season. It, is, it is good for him. Uh, really a downer. I mean, I don't know how he's looked with the herd. We'll have to come up with a name for that segment, like Have You Heard or something like that. But uh, keep working at it, Shemi. You'll get there. Okay. Okay. Um, you are This is a tough one. This is kind of generic. Barbecue or buffalo? Just the sauces. And I know there's a lot of like subcategories within that, but if you had to choose like a family, barbecue or buffalo, which one are you going for? Oh, that's tough.
0: That's a tough one. I will say uh, Kyle, if you need to marinate on this. Uh, uh on, but up. <laughs> uh, it, I would be remiss to say anything other than barbecue being from Kansas city. So Mm -hmm. um, I tend to go a little bit more sweet with it. I know some people prefer tangy, um, but yeah, any barbecue is good barbecue. Yeah.
1: I'll lead barbecue just because I think I could use that more often than I could with Buffalo. Mm -hmm. The tough part with Buffalo is you can use it with chicken. You can use it with wings and there's not much Mm -hmm. else. you can do with it while with barbecue you can obviously ribs chicken wings whatever mac and cheese yeah you name it yeah
2: my my main thing against barbecue was our family had a bottle of Sweet Baby Ray's like the plain stuff at home, and it's just horrendous. And my like they would just bust it out for like as a condiment. I'm like, this is disgusting. Like, what are you what are you doing to me, family? So I was always against barbecue because that was like my only experience. As I've grown older and had different barbecues, I like them as well. I probably also lean barbecue, but you know, there's a reason why it's a hard debate because both of them have their merits. So I'm glad we hashed that out. Okay. Uh, Another basketball one. Who's had the higher assist percentage so far this year, Giannis or Drew? Uh,
0: I would say Giannis on this one uh, because it really feels like he's emphasizing passing a little bit more uh, this year. And, again, availability, I feel like, uh, you know, Drew just hasn't been there as much as Giannis has.
1: I would also go with Giannis. I feel like he's just been more of a playmaker – in the, I think it was the Hawks game last week. He, that was really where his passing was on full display. So I, I think I'd lean Giannis, but I'm sure it's closer than we think.
2: Uh, it is Giannis, and he's got it by about four percentage points. So far on this year, he's at 33.8%, which is like top 15 in the league, I think. Um, and Drew's at 29.1%. So neither of them are any sort of slouch, but yes. And I'm trying to pull up if that's like a career high for Giannis. I'm sure it's pretty damn close, uh, but he's definitely been wheeling and dealing a lot more this year. Um, okay, final question for both of you, and then I have one follow-up for Alex. The final question is, have you seen a team giveaway cooler than the title court piece that everybody got at the game last night for the, against the Magic?
1: I don't think so, to be honest. The closest yeah. thing I can think of is when a team gives, you know, a season ticket uh, holders and they might give them like a replica championship ring. I think the herd was giving away something similar as well. So I, I think that's the closest I can come up with. But to give away parts of the court, no, that's pretty sweet. And it, it, that is definitely something that, especially for collectors, that I'm sure is
0: going to be valued very highly, whether they want to sell it or keep it. Yeah, I think that that is one of the more unique giveaway items I've ever seen associated with an NBA game. Uh, I would say that, yeah, it probably is the coolest thing I've seen. And especially, as Kyle said, uh, you know, the collector value of it and just the sentiment of it. Right. Um, just because as we spoke about earlier in the pod, uh, you know, uh, Milwaukee fans, it's been an up and down ride for 50 years for sure uh, more downs than ups perhaps and um, to have a piece of that court um, yeah really probably tugs at the heartstrings and means a lot sentimentally too in addition to like the monetary value
2: I agree with you guys the only complaint I had Zura Stevenson had like a piece like an example piece on the broadcast last night hey man I needed to be like bigger than the middle part of my palm, please. I know they had to cut it up a certain size to get it to ten thousand, but if I roll up and they give me that, I'm like, they give me a building block, early. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd be an unappreciative fan like that. I'd be like, this, uh, you know, this is cool, but <laughs>
1: gonna be a little. Bigger. Um, I, I so do get- have one follow-up question, uh, not okay, for the worry. court, just a rapid fire. It is also yeah. Thanksgiving up Thursday. What is your favorite side?
2: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I'm a uh, I'm a stuffing guy. If stuffing is really well executed, you could do with a little gravy. You could do without. Ugh. And like people, the spice mixes that people do, like the proportions, I think there's uh, a lot of room for people to do stuff, homemade, instant, whatever. I'm a big stuffing guy.
0: Yeah, I stuffing is great. I would lean mashed potatoes. I feel like. Uh, talking about the utility of them, like no matter what is on the plate next to them, it seems like if you happen to get like a little scoop of mashed potatoes, if you're like multiple items in a spoonful or a forkful thing, they fit with just about anything you would get them with. Um, and I think that, you know, you can make them unhealthy as you want, throw whatever in there when you're making them alone. Um, and, you know, I, I prefer a pretty plain option with just butter. Um, but I, you know, I'm a mashed potatoes person. Definitely strong candidate. I'm a mac and cheese person.
1: Um, I'm getting to the point where mac and cheese might be my entree, and then I'll go to cranberry sauce as my backup. But nice. always, always safe. Always safe. Th- great choices, though. Riley, you M- take that potato- follow-up?
2: Well, mashed potato is like the sixth man of the roster. Like, he, he can plug and play wherever. And then I like the conversation. We all have different picks. It's sort of like the Nanyana's MVP. Which I think people would quibble with uh, turkey being the MVP or whatever, like the star of the show. But like, but does anyone actually <laughs> like turkey? It depends on how it's prepared. It's hit or miss. Oh, yeah. That's definitely you.
1: a – if you mess it up, it's, all, it's over. <laughs> right. People yeah, my, will my, talk
2: about that. My final question for Alex. Uh, Casey, as you said, barbecue. I've never been to Kansas City. Kyle, I don't know about you. But for all our listeners – Uh, If they want to make a pilgrimage to the to the Holy City on the Great Plains, where would be your suggested Kansas City barbecue place people should go to? I'm sure there's like there has to be like a place, right?
0: Sure. Yeah. In the city, it's a little divisive. People have their own, you know, preferences, obviously. But I would say hands down, Arthur Bryant's is the first stop. Uh, You know, it's in or near uh, the 18th and Vine District. So the Jazz district. Um, you know, pretty historic neighborhood here in Kansas City. It's also the place where, um, they kind of famously invented burnt ends or at least giving burnt ends out to people. Uh, in I want to say the 50s, there was a food writer from the New York Times, it was a national publication, um, who, uh, was quoted as saying that, you know, He went here and he couldn't believe that they were just giving them away for free because they were so good. They chop it off and put it to the side. Instead of throwing it away, people could come and refill their plates with it. Um, But his quote was something along the lines of he'd been driving through the South, you know, eating 50 cent cheeseburgers and dreaming about what people are eating for free at the Kansas City barbecue restaurant. So Arthur Bryant's would be my choice personally. All right. Good
2: shout out. Shout Good to, out to know. Arthur Yeah, I, was say,
0: I haven't been there like six years, so it's been a long time.
2: <laughs> so hopefully hopefully they listen to this and send us some like barbecue samples. Other Bryant's the people <laughs> who run it, if you're listening, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. We will. So that's all I got. That's all I got for Rapid Fire this week. All right. I'll
1: quickly go on to film review. I finally have a film review, Shank G. Um finally got around to watching it. It took me a bit to find time, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I think in terms of you know depth and storytelling it doesn't you know it's not the most deep marvel superhero movie it doesn't really move anything much with the cinematic universe that's going to happen but i think it was just enjoyable i think especially with the representation and everything that it signified it was kind of nice to know from the comics that they made changes to make it more appropriate which was good to know as well so i enjoyed it i think it's a fun you know if you are a superhero movie person, this is a good superhero movie to watch. So I give it a 6.5 out of 10. Like I said, it was not anything substantial in terms of plot. But I think in terms of just a standalone movie, it's fun to watch. You can watch it. It takes a couple hours. You're good to go. It's not like you have – I'm sure you'll have to watch it to understand other Marvel movies. But I think you don't need to watch other Marvel movies to understand this movie. So that was kind of the nice thing.
2: So. That was gonna be my follow up was because I'm not a Marvel person, so if I was to not have any background because I know there's like Thor Six, the Return of Thor, and you <laughs> need to know that to understand Iron Man Seven to understand Avengers 20 um so th- the other question I would have is are do you would you say you're a Marvel Universe inclined fan or are you like do you think you went into it with like you were going to enjoy it because you enjoy most of the Marvel movies anyhow or like do you kind of go in neutral to those movies? I think with
1: most of them I go in. I am a Marvel movie. I'm very simple when it comes to what I expect out of movies. Like there's a reason why I paid money to see it. So <laughs> I, I think with this movie. I didn't expect it to really. Because like I said. You don't need to watch it. You don't have to like watch other Marvel movies. To understand what's going on in this movie. So that's kind of the nice thing. And what I appreciate about it. So I, I went in with the. I normally enjoy it. I, I think like i said for a standalone movie in itself even if they weren't to make another one you could totally watch this now i'm sure in future marvel movies you'll have to watch this to understand some of the things that are going on but no i, I i'm pretty i'm not Marvel superhero movie out yet very good good film review all right. Yeah, it's been a while. I know I had to knock the rust off of more once we get to Christmas season because we'll have a lot of Christmas movie reviews, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. we have our predictions. We have four games for the upcoming week. The Orlando Magic again tonight on Sunday night. Then we have the Detroit Pistons at home on Wednesday. Then they go Friday to Denver and then home for the Pacers. Alex, what is your prediction for how the Bucks will do this week?
2: I should note I wrote it wrong. We play the magic tomorrow, so it's not Sunday night. They play on Monday night. Well, not still probably tonight cares.
0: if you're listening to that probably, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, my prediction would be three and one. I feel like they drop the game to the Pacers just as a eight game winning streak comes to an end. You know everything's been solid. Uh, they have Denver, who is going to play you tough, but also just very confusingly drop that game to Philly without Embiid. Um, I think their guard rotation's hurting a little bit. Detroit, uh, I think, is going to be fairly easy win. Orlando, um, as well. I think we see even more minutes for the bench with the starters pulled um, and then the starters returning. Um, yeah, I think we are looking at 3-1, and one, personally. Um, I feel like Shimmy gets a lot of minutes on Aaron Gordon, who, if I remember correctly, when he came into the league, was voted the most likely rookie to get catfished. And so I feel like that's prime time for him to, you know, um,
2: have a game with Jimmy on it. Do like a PJ Tucker impression. Be like, is this PJ Tucker that I'm dealing with? Like, he'll get Yeah,
0: it's going to be time for that conversation to come back around.
2: Uh, I'm going to go. I think they'll be perfect this week. Uh, We'll probably smash the Magic again and the Pistons because they're both purposefully bad teams i could see uh the pistons game being one where some of the guys get some rest and then we try to come back we'll probably still be without brook but we're gonna do as well as we can full health against the nuggets um and the pacers have been like the same squad for a decade now and they i don't know what they're doing so i think we will also cream the Pacers. probably not cream but i think we'll be them so i think we'll go perfect this week Uh, and it will be a far cry from the the we-might-miss-the-playoffs talk of literally a week ago, so it's I'm I'm glad winning fixes all, and that has fixed the discourse, and I hope we keep it going this week as well. I am going 3-1. I think they win
1: all their home games. I do feel as though the Nuggets... Jokic always kills them, so I wouldn't be surprised if this was another game that Jokic just absolutely... if he's healthy, because I know they've had some injury concerns, but uh, I feel like that's going to be a game. It's in Denver. they struggled in the past playing at denver Jokic always seems to crush milwaukee i could see this one being a just a rough game overall plus food coma from thanksgiving so there's always that factor so i uh,
2: forgot about that yeah
1: i i wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if it went what 4-0 but i just feel as though the nuggets game is the one that trips up which would make sense because nuggets on the road is difficult while the other three games at home should be winnable if not blowout so
2: yeah you're, you're running around you have like a half a turkey in your stomach and you have to play in the denver altitude that's tough one. unless that uh you know Jokic goes crazy again and starts just wailing on dudes and gets suspended maybe we'll see that happen again hopefully somebody can go at him into and then we'll have the Jokic brothers it'll be a lot of fun everybody will come together a nice cast of characters yeah i'll be curious about that i didn't even think about thanksgiving for that so good yeah, luck both. I
1: didn't even think about Thanksgiving until it was Friday. I was like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a (laughs) (laughs) problem. Either way, uh, thank you again for listening. Make sure to check us out at BrewHoop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BrewHoop riley will have his monday morning media roundup alex and i like we mentioned will have updates on the herd we'll have vance progress reports we have outlooks we have i'm sure mitchell's got something adam when he gets back will also have something as well so make sure to follow us make sure to read and make sure to share and subscribe this podcast with your friends thanks again